Thank you for joining today for a new episode of the podcast as part of the Voice from Every Quarter season. Today's guest will be Michelle. Could you please introduce yourself? Sure thing. I, hi, I'm Michelle Morawski. I've been employed with the state of Florida for almost 34 years. I'm currently an IT manager. Um, my husband and I, I'm married and my husband and I have five children, three girls and two boys. I love the beach, hanging out and helping others whenever I can. Okay, sounds good. Um, so do you wanna just like jump right into the questions? Sure thing. Okay, um, so how do you think the United States women's overall rights are compared with other countries um, such as like Western European countries or like stuff like that? Okay, um, the US has come a long way with women's rights, um, but I think we still have a long way to go compared to some other countries. I have to say until I was preparing for this interview, I thought the US was doing really well. Um, but once I did a little more research, I found that compared to other countries, we still, you know, have a way to go in some areas. Um, there, however, there were a few countries I was surprised to see that were actually ahead of us. Yeah. What were those countries that you saw were ahead of us? Do you know? Oh, if you hadn't asked me that, I can get back <laughs> to you on that. Mm -hmm. yeah. I remember looking at the list and thinking, huh, that surprises me. But I want to say, I want to say India maybe was one. Um, so what do you think about equal pay or do you feel that like in your area, women are underpaid and if they are underpaid, um, what can be done about it? Okay. Um, I think because of the area I work in, um, state government, I feel pay is equal among genders. I know there's a lot of areas where um, women feel they're not, but in state government, I do feel like it's very equal. Um, I know, that, like I said, there's other industries where there's a large pay difference between men and women. I believe the U.S. women's soccer team, I know they've made a lot of um, history lately or in stories, um, has opened up a lot of eyes to the pay discrepancy in women's sports versus men's sports. Um, but I feel like the women's soccer team uh, league did a lot of negotiating with their union, which is one example of what can be done. Um, I do think that women, you know, need to continue to pursue their education, keep working hard, proving they're equal, but, and be sure to point out to their management when the pay is not equal. Okay. Um, so do you think menstrual products should be free for everyone, such as in workplaces, schools, or government buildings? Um, and if so, how should the government pay for it? Um, I think it'd be great if these products could be free for everyone in those environments that you mentioned. Um, if menstrual products were allowed to be purchased under government programs such as WIC, SNAP, um, for those that need assistance, I think that would help alleviate a lot of the issues and may not need to be available in the places you mentioned. Um, I do think it'd be hard for the government to probably have those available in schools and government buildings, but I do think if they could be available for those on WIC and SNAP, that would help a lot. Um, I also like the idea if these products were not being taxed, like food, food items are not taxed. I mean, these are very pricey items. So I think anything we could do to help would be amazing for those in need. Okay, um, and kind of going off of that, do you think that there is a period poverty in the United States? I do. Um, again, these products are really expensive. And for those, you know, that may have to choose between whether do I eat today or do I buy these products? I mean, food's going to have to prevail, especially if, you know, you have a family. I mean, those are just 
you know, do I buy a, you know, potatoes for my family or do I buy tampons? You know, I think, you know, obviously you're going to buy the food for you and your family. So do you think um, women should have free access to non-prescription birth control and why or why not? Okay. Um, I think women who are struggling financially should have free access to non-prescription birth control. If they're struggling financially and can't afford birth control, then they will probably not be able to afford to raise a child. Um, in the long run, providing free birth control could also help prevent things like child abuse, poverty. Um, when child abuse and poverty become an issue, then more government resources are needed and cost more than the free birth control would have. Uh, of course, the worst part in that situation would be, you know, what the children have to endure in that situation. Yeah, um, I kind of noticed that you like specified that um, it was that should be free for people who um, make less of an income. But what do you think about um, women who like have like a higher income or like or are more well off? I mean, it would be great. I just think, you know, we have to um, manage that. Mm -hmm. Those are costly items, right? Mm -hmm. So I think in the long run, that could be really hard for people that can't afford it. I know that's a hard, it's a hard question and a hard decision and a hard line for everybody to make. Um, I mean, it would be great. I mean, I, you know, think of myself, you know, younger, growing up, um, working as an adult, um, that would have been wonderful to have those items to be free. I just think that's a really be a hard sell, I think, for a lot of for government. So what do you think about the US policy for new mothers compared with like other countries such as Canada or European countries? Um, it's it was surprising to me that we're not in line with other countries when it comes to maternal leave. Um, I think it'd be great if every mother and father could get, you know, three months or more of paid maternal paternal leave. Um, in regards to the pros and cons, allowing this leave for large corporations may not be as much of a hardship, but it, I think it'd be really hard for small businesses. Um, larger businesses, you know, they're in a better situation where they could probably shift some workload. They might be able to hire some help while people are out, but I think it's going to, that would be a really hard burden on small businesses. Yeah. But I yeah. like it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so I don't actually like know how to pronounce this, but. Um, Icelandic lawmaker. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, so an Icelandic lawmaker in full view of her fellow lawmakers and television cameras delivered her remarks with her six-week-old daughter nursing quietly and no one cared. Um, this is not surprising in Iceland, which has long had a liberal view of breastfeeding in public, but what do you think would happen if something like this occurred in the U.S., especially in the South? Or like, do you approve of um, her action? Um, I think the U.S. is coming more around to breastfeeding in public, um, but there is still a stigma that this should be kept you know, more private. Um, mm -hmm. I think if one of our female law lawmakers did this, um, there'd be a lot of criticism. Um, I've lived in the Midwest and the South, and maybe because I have a pretty open mind, I feel like it would be received about the same in the South as it is in the North. Um, I actually even called a friend of mine today that lives up North just to kind of get her thoughts on it and maybe because we think like-minded she was um, of the same opinion um, 
I think breastfeeding, you know, is a natural process. Um, most women are very discreet when they're doing it. And if a baby can be fed a bottle in public, then I feel like they should be able to nurse in public. Um, also, if a baby's hungry, then why should that baby have to suffer or the mom have to go feed the baby in a possibly unclean bathroom or, a, you know, maybe a hot car? Don't get me wrong. I know a lot of uh, public and workplaces are making accommodations for nursing mothers who want their privacy. Um, but, you know, not everybody has that yet. I definitely approve of her action that she did that. And maybe we need to start educating, you know, everyone from a young age that this is just a natural process and people, you know, shouldn't be ashamed or embarrassed when they see that happening. Um, I think if we could do more of that, it would become the norm. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. So, um, as an IT manager, like, um, what do you think are the advantages or disadvantages of being a woman? And do you think, do you feel like there is a glass ceiling or invisible bias in those areas? Okay. And again, maybe it's because I work for a state agency. Um, I don't generally see this bias. Um, don't get me wrong. There's certain areas of IT that are more um, male dominated than female dominated, but I think as long as the women can prove they're just as qualified and skilled, it's a non-issue. But again, I can only speak from, you know, state government experience. Okay, yeah. And why do you think there are so few women, like in this STEM field, um, do you think it's a cultural thing or the societal pressure that females must be um, a certain way? Um, I definitely believe this was past tense capitalized was a cultural and societal issue in the past, but I feel, you know, times have changed. Um, where I work, we have a lot of females in technical roles. I see it in other state agencies. So I think that's a good thing. Um, I follow, I don't know if you're familiar with this person, her name is Ginger Z. She's the chief meteorologist for Good Morning America. And I think people like her are really leading the way in showing young females, um, you know, that STEM is important and it's a, it's a good road for, for a lot of, of young females. Um, in her case, she's, you know, not just the weather girl, she's also a scientist. She's written a lot of children's books where the lead characters um, are, are female in pursuit of being a scientist. One of my daughters is in school to become a veterinarian and has a strong passion for science. And, you know, has always loved math, anything technical, um, I also think with technology the way it is today, all young people really now have a natural tendency when it comes to technology. So I, I don't, I feel like it's, um, a lot of women are really joining this, this STEM area. Um, during the pandemic, when schools and childcare facilities shut down, um, many women had to quit their jobs to take care of their family. Um, and it seems that disproportionate home housework has fallen on the shoulders of women. Um, what do you think can be done to change this trend? Um, I would like to think that this happened based on what these women and their significant others did for work. You know, they, I hope they looked at the whole family process. Um, let's just say if the woman is the breadwinner of the family and someone had to stay home with the children and it made the most sense for the man to be the one to stay home, he would. I hope that made sense what I just said. Um, but I also think that during the pandemic, a lot of people wanted to refocus their priorities. So I'd, I'd like to think that if these women were the breadwinners, they really just want in, and decided to stay home. They just really want to be home with their children instead of working outside the home. 
I'm sure either way, you know, it was, is a tough decision. I know when my children were small, because of the latitude I had with my job, I was the one to stay home when the kids were sick or take them to appointments. Um, however, I had a great leave package and my paycheck, paycheck didn't fluctuate if I was or was not on the job. So it usually made it easier for me to handle these kinds of tasks versus my husband, who if he wasn't working, it could mean that his next paycheck would be short or less than it would have been if he'd been working. Um, however, you know, could have been that his job just wasn't really his understanding because he was a man and assumed it was the woman's role. But, you know, I hadn't really thought about that part till this question. Okay, thank you. Um, so Roe versus Wade is 50 years old now. Um, do you think we should uphold or overturn the case or, and if overturned, what do you think would be the impact on women? Okay, um, I definitely think we need to continue to uphold this legislation. I don't believe in abusing it, but I don't think it's a, I do think it's a woman's choice. Um, if it's overturned, um, then I would refer back to my comments earlier about non-prescription birth control and, you know, not being able to afford children, poverty, abuse, etc. Um, also, if a woman is a victim of rape or incest or the fetus, you know, is in danger or the woman is in danger, then there need to be avenues for women to make their choices. If this legislation is overturned, women may resort to measures that could do more harm like they used to do before this legislation existed. Um, and kind of going off of that, Texas passed a law to illegalize abortions um, over six weeks under all circumstances. Um, and Florida is about to pass a law to illegalize abortions over 15 weeks. Um, and what I just want to ask what you thought about this, um, since there are dozens of states trying to pass a similar law. Um, so like, what do you think about this movement? Or if you like disagree with those laws, what do you think people can do to change that? Um, I definitely think we need some legalization around abortion. I just want to be very clear about that. Um, however, a lot of women don't even know that they're pregnant until they're eight weeks. So to think that Texas is being this restrictive, I, I, I don't agree with what they've done. Um, again, I worry that women will resort to other means, which could be worse for her and or the fetus. Um, I actually looked up on the Texas Planned Parenthood website and notice that they mentioned they could they could refer you to other sites or other states if you know they were more than six weeks. So what if that person doesn't have the means to travel and or, it, or you know there could be other things that could happen in the fact that they go to another state and then they have medical issues now they're stranded in let's say Arizona. Um, so I think there's you know I I think they need to relook at that personally. Um, as far as Florida goes, I think 15 weeks is more feasible, a more feasible amount of time versus six weeks. Um, of course, there's the argument that now that the fetus is further along in its life cycle, you know, that's, you know, that's more of a moral issue, right? Um, in either case, I know there are a lot of families that would love to adopt. So if the woman is in a place, you know, in her life that she could go through with the pregnancy and the adoption process, I think that would be ideal. Um, in regards to disagreeing with these laws and what to do, I definitely think people need to educate themselves on the legislation and contact their legislators. And as always, just you know, try to be as educated as possible. Okay. Um, over the last few decades, the nation has made considerable progress in addressing 
the violence and abuse many women experience at the hands of partners, acquaintances, and strangers. Um, and despite this progress, threats to women's safety continue to profoundly affect their economic security, health, civic engagement, and overall well-being. Um, could you please comment your thoughts on this issue? Sure. Um, I definitely agree that women who've suffered any kind of abuse, that um, their economic security, health, civic engagement, and overall well-being are impacted. I mean, they just, you know, they're not as... Um, I just think they have less of a good feeling about themselves. I'm not getting the right words out right now, but um, just don't feel, think they feel as good about themselves. Um, they're not as confident. They often, um, again, think less of themselves. Um, I would like to think we could continue to provide these women with organizations, shelters that can assist them to get out of the situations they're in and help them with the next steps, especially with their mental well-being. So they won't think that this is how life has to be for them or their family. Okay, yeah. Um, and globally in 2018, for every 10 victims of human trafficking detected, about five were adult women and two were girls. Most of the detected victims of trafficking for sexual exploitation, around 92% are females. Um, what do you think we ordinary people can do to alleviate this issue? Um, I think it goes back to, you know, see something, say something. Um, I think people need to become more aware of what human trafficking looks like and report it. Um, one of my daughters spent time in Los Angeles a couple of years identifying human trafficking victims and trying to work with them to get them to safety and help them figure out their next steps. Unfortunately, you know, many of them would go right back because it's what they knew and they're scared and didn't trust themselves to figure out the next steps. Um, not, of course, not everyone can do what she did, but I think if you see a situation, you have to report it or if possible, inquire, you know, thinking of safety for everybody, inquire if you can help them. Um, so do you think the women's movement is stronger or weaker today than in the 1970s or like, for example, or what do you think things can change for the better or worse based on your own personal experience? Um, I would say that, um, you know, it feels as though it was stronger in the 70s, but that's when women really started rallying and paving the way um, for today's women. Um, I think it's still strong today, but I think since it was the forefront in the 70s, there was a larger, and there was a larger gap to fill that then now it felt more powerful back then. Um, I would encourage you to watch this uh, show I got into a few years ago. Um, it was one of my favorite ones, but unfortunately it didn't get renewed because of contract issues. Um, it was called Good Girls Revolt and it was on Amazon. Um, I'd encourage everyone, women and men to watch it. It's based on Newsweek and Nora Ephron and not paying the females the same as men and not giving them the same types of roles, even though often it was the women actually doing the work behind the scenes, but the men were getting the credit. Um, that, it, that was very enlightening to me. Um, not that I hadn't heard a lot of it, but just to see it, you know, a lot of more modern actors are in the show. So it kind of feels a little bit more relevant if you're not watching something from the seventies. Um, I thought the Ruth Bader Ginsburg movie was another good one. Um, I was born in the late 60s, so my early memories are in the 70s. Um, I remember watching my mom um, go from an, being an abused stay-at-home mom 
where she oftentimes, you know, literally would find glass bottles. And that was back in the day, you could take glass bottles to the store and get money for them. Um, so she could afford gas, food, et cetera. Um, and she worked in multiple secretarial positions, working for men. Um, but eventually she moved her way up to being, you know, in my opinion, a badass commodities broker in a very, very male dominated field. So I think things have definitely changed for the better, but it took a while for females to be able to break through those glass ceilings. Um, what do you think about school dress codes? Um, according to the American Civil Liberties Union, dress codes are legal if they do not treat boys and girls differently, force students to conform to sex stereotypes or censor particular viewpoints. Um, what are your thoughts about this? Um, I think school and work dress codes are important. Um, I've seen multiple times where people will push the limits. Um, I might've been one of those people in high school. Um, so I would think um, maybe writing the dress codes in a more gender neutral way could, I would hope alleviate the issue if I'm understanding the question. Okay. Um, so can you talk about gender roles in literature or like how were women defined in classics um, or like what do you think the new trend in literature is about like the leading female characters? Um, I don't know that I'm the most knowledgeable in regards to this. I would like to say I'm a big reader, but I don't read as much as I'd like. Um, but I do think that in the classics, oftentimes women were, you know, more submissive, had more stereotypical roles. Um, in current literature, a lot of the female characters, you know, often have a very, a, a leading role. Um, you know, maybe they're like a lead detective, a large problem solver, a doctor, a scientist, um, a politician, and, you know, they're able to defend themselves both physically and verbally. Um, and recently someone on the internet mocked the um, NATO country saying that their secretary of defense were all females while Russia's were primarily male. Um, and what would your response be to those people and how does that reflect on women's role in modern society? Right. Um, I mean, I think it's good to have a mix of males and females. Um, I think it's unfortunate that in 2022, there are those that still think of women as being weak and not capable of leading. Um, I think it's important for men and women to both realize women can lead and be strategic and we don't need to just sit quietly and be pretty. Yeah, um, and what is your definition of a feminist? My definition of a feminist is someone who believes women should have the same rights as a man when it comes to pay, social status, economic status, and political views. Okay, and what would you like to see happen when it comes to gender equality in the next few years? Okay. Um, Maya, a lot of these questions have really made me think of things that um, we could all be doing, including myself in regards to gender equality, human trafficking, abuse, birth control. Um, I think it all starts with educating ourselves and seeing where we can help, whether it's volunteering or mentoring others. When it comes to gender equality, I'd like to think our younger generation will continue to strengthen and close the gender equality gap in regards to pay, social status, and being heard. Um, I mentioned I have, you know, five children and the two youngest just graduated high school 2020 and 2021 and it 
um, really did my heart good to see this younger generation be so passionate about so many things that are, you know, hot topics today. So I, I think they can make it happen. Yeah. Okay. Um, anything else you would like to add? No, I've enjoyed this. It's definitely, like I said, has, um, when I got your questions, I was like, oh, I didn't know I was going to have to really prepare so much, but I'm glad I did. I mean, it, kind of opened my eyes to a few things and um I think I'm going to try to do you know a little volunteering and things like that mentoring myself okay thank you well thank you so much for joining today <laughs>